and welcome. I'm Steve Martorano, and this is the Behavioral Corner. You're invited to hang with us as we discuss the ways we live today, the choices we make, the things we do, and how they affect our health and well-being. So you're on the corner, the Behavioral Corner. Please hang around a while. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Steve Martorano with you on the Behavioral Corner. What we do here, this is a great gig, I must say. I get to hang out on a an interesting corner, a little bodega across the street, the newsstand down there, and loads of interesting people who cross our path here to talk and enlighten us on the big, big issue of our behavioral health. You know what that is, behavioral health, it's everything we do, you know, impacts our, our well-being, our mental health, our spiritual health, even our physical health. So it's a broad topic, and we like to say that the Behavioral Corner uh, is a podcast about everything. And it show is. It is that indeed. There's a day designated for everything in every month of every year. And gay pride, LGBTQ uh, issues are certainly not alone. They've got a longstanding relationship with the month of June, which is Pride Month. So we've invited somebody in to give us some perspective on that. Tyrone Best is a young fellow who comes to our attention through our underwriters and partners retreat behavioral health. Uh, Ty has worked his way up through a a couple of rungs there to the communications department. We work very closely with Ty's department. And uh, he's going to join us with a unique perspective on both the necessity and the meaning of Pride Month uh, as a young gay man. But also he brings with us a, a story of uh, his substance abuse struggle and journey and how he's now achieved five years of sobriety. So this is a good one all the way around. Tyrone, thanks for joining us on The Corner. How are you? Thank you. Good. How are you? I surprised you a little bit with the video component, didn't I? Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't ready. Handsome young guy like you got to get spruced up. <laughs> thanks. Anyway, thanks so much. Uh, four years now at retreat. Yeah, I'll be going on four years in December. Yeah. And uh, as I said, you worked your way up and now you're in the communications department. Right. So I characterize you as a young gay man. So there you are. It's, it's obvious that Ty, like a you know, most of us is made up of many parts. I mean, uh, he likes the outdoors. He likes traveling and kayaking and hiking and he's into meditation. So we mentioned his orientation because that's our topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ty, let me begin at the beginning. People, well-intended people, and some people who are not so well-intended, mm-hmm. look at the LGBTQ and every time they look at it, there seems to be another letter added and nobody wants to exclude anybody or appear as though they don't care is there a thumbnail that you know the rest of us can go okay what's what's the right thing to say here when talking about that entire universe i would say like for for what i learned the right thing to say is we like to say lgbtq plus community the plus is always more there always can be um there's a lot of different orientations and different things that come in with LGBT community. Yeah. We're all learning this process together. Um, we're all growing and we're seeing the world grow. So I think if we're all like bear with it, eventually we'll come together, but we have a good standing just say like LGBTQ plus is like a great thing to say. My wife's theory is that the goal eventually will be, to drop all of this and not pay any attention <laughs> to yeah eventually to we have to like clarify who and identify who people are um 
eventually we would just be people and we right. could just say that. Right. And then move past these specific definition and mm-hmm. just go, okay, who's this person in front of me? Yeah. How, how are they behaving? Do I like them or do they like me? Exactly. Yeah, that's right. it. Exactly. Okay. All right. But, you know, we got to we gotta do it right here. We got to get the nomenclature right. Um, mm-hmm. How old are you, first of all? I didn't ask that earlier. I am 26 years old. Now, you were um, on your way to, I guess, a, a degree and a, a career in architecture. Mm-hmm. when you had trouble with substance abuse. Tell us about that. I was always interested in like designing and drawing my whole life. But growing up, I was so... The stigma of being a masculine male, I knew that the art that I wanted to do couldn't be like fashion and stuff like that because I was trying to stay away from the gay stuff a part of me I was trying to like hide that so I went more into architecture because I was into designing and homes and stuff like that but that also was more masculine to me so that was what a lot of my family members and friends knew I wanted to do so I kind of went with that flow after high school um did that for two years at hack um it was going to transfer over But during those two years after high school, I was really conflicting with my sexuality and becoming an adult and be able to identify as a gay man. It was uh, difficult for me. Also, I didn't have like that close knit of friends as much as I did during those years of high school and middle school and growing up. um, I felt alone. So I know I was on an adventure to do like every drug possible. I was like, let me try everything. Let me live life. And um, during those difficult times, I happened to got into heroin and that got me and it took a hold of me. So like I started using that to hide a lot of my stuff. Yeah. How long, how long were you actively using heroin? I started at end of age of 18 to the age of 21. Uh, and it got serious enough for you to uh, get yourself some help, right? Uh, how many times were you in treatment? Uh, I only went in once. Ah, good for you. What was the motivation? Was it legal problems or did you finally get? Eventually, I wasn't getting high with friends. I was getting high by myself in my room, dozing out. No one kind of knew that I was on. I kind of hid it from everybody, my family, friends. Um, a friend of mine realized that it was really bad, threatened to tell my parents. And my mom kind of knew something was going on a couple of months prior to me going to rehab. And I had came out to her and I told her I was like, bye. Like only like I like girls and guys, which wasn't true. But that's like the first thing you say. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, then a couple of months later, I finally was like crying and was really like, done like it was like the end of I mean I had nothing left I was selling all my stuff I was stealing stuff I was doing all types of things for money and I was just um done so like shortly after the semester ended I came to my mom told her and was like I need help my father drove me to rehab and when he was driving me, that's when I came out to my father. So he found out like, oh, his son does heroin. And now his son is 
gay. But they took it very well because they knew what it was doing to me. You had a, you know, parents in your life. You have siblings? Yes, I have two older sisters. Yeah, no drug problems there? No, um, the drug history in my family is my mom. Ah, so there was some history. So she's sort of open to that idea. Well, you know what? As I said at the beginning, you do bring together a couple of elements of things we talk about and set against the backdrop of your sexual orientation. It's immediately apparent to me that there's so much about, you know, being different, being gay or lesbian, that we don't appreciate. We just sort of look at the surface stuff. You said that as a youngster, you felt artistic. You like to draw. Lots mm-hmm. of kids like to draw. But because of the confusion, if I understood you correctly, yeah. about how you felt your emerging sexuality, you immediately shied away from drawing pretty things mm-hmm. and right. focused your attention on a manly pursuit. Men build buildings, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's what a lot of the straight world doesn't understand about the burden of being a closeted gay person is that it's not just you're hiding sexuality, you're hiding everything. Mm -hmm. Everything. There was your career path set totally in a false way. Mm -hmm. It didn't work, right? No. (laughs) It didn't work. So you were what, 20, 21 when you came out to your parents? Mm -hmm. Tell us about that because uh, that's a terrifying moment, isn't it? Yeah. How did your dad react? Your mom sounded like she just rolled with it. How dad? My dad reacted very well, actually. Were you surprised? I was completely surprised. Like, my dad is great now. He supports me in everything I do now, and he's a wonderful guy. But back then, growing up, he was not acceptable for any kind of, like, um... Like, he always wanted me to do, like, boy things. And I remember as a child him telling me he would, like, beat my butt, like, if I would turn out gay, you know? So, like... Why did... Wait, wait, before you go... Wait, wait, wait. wait. Was he worried? Had you exhibited, in hindsight, uh, signs that he might have thought my son may be gay? I feel like growing up, my whole family kind of always know. You kind of know. Yeah. It's like that age one to four when you don't, you're just yourself and you don't develop any of characteristics yet from anybody. You don't learn anything yet. You're one to four, you're yourself. So during that time, my mom even said, like, I was playing with my sister's dolls. I would do like certain things that would be more feminine or stigma as more of the gay side so like and the excuse that we had growing up was oh i have two older sisters i grew up with females i'm more into clothing because that's the type of person i am like stuff like that so and dad's antenna was up his Mm -hmm. radar was on and any sign he saw of not masculinity he made an issue of i gotta give you this much and i know it's a strange thing to say but in a difficult decision where you have to come out to your father, your father, yeah. particularly the kind of dad you had. Um, there's all kinds of times when you can do that. Mm-hmm. I suppose as he's driving you to rehab because you got a heroin habit, <laughs> maybe the best time. <laughs> yeah. Right? <It> was, <laughs> he's thinking, I was like, it's a two and one. It's a twofer. <laughs> I can hit him two and one and drop right. me off and I'll see you in 30 days. <laughs> you know what? 
you started you doing drugs because of the confusion and everything. And you find yourself in that spot because of, you know, the pressures of being closeted. And then at this moment, it sort of comes in handy because your father's smart enough to go, okay, let's prioritize here now. <laughs> <laughs> let's I'm go. I'll whoop his ass about being gay later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing. You know it's not funny, but I laugh about the story all the time. I'm like, yeah, it's almost a brilliant plan. I mean, mm-hmm. like, you can't get too freaked out here, right? Let's get serious here. Now, a lot of people in your situation don't go to rehab and just get clean. Yeah. Uh, but why do you suppose you took to treatment apparently so quickly? I knew what treatment was from growing up. But like I kind of didn't put it together as I got older and I started realizing the people I was around and the friends that are around started going to rehab, um, getting help and getting clean. And I thought I would everyone thinks they're invincible and they're not that person. Um, I thought I wasn't that person. I thought I wouldn't have to do that, that I can just stop on my own and go back to my life. Apparently that didn't work out. Um, something was in me that I knew that I was more to this life. Like my life wasn't just this. I knew that I was slowly coming out to my friends. So like my friends knew I was gay, but my family didn't. So they were like the last step of the people that I needed to tell. And once I told them, I knew I was a little bit free and that I can be free from also like taking in drugs like yeah we know from examples that have nothing to do with uh, orientation that most substance abusers are self-medicating and hiding something else it's sort of a symptom of what's really going mm. on clearly in your case once you get okay telling people who you really are i guess the thought occurs to you well that's great and by the way what am i doing being a heroin addict i mean yeah. right <laughs> Let's get that straight. What was withdrawal like for you? What was the detox process like? Like, Were you shooting it? I was shooting it. Towards the last, like, four to five months of my run, I was shooting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was having nightmares. I threatened to go home, like, every day. Mm -hmm. I called my parents like a child every day. My dad kind of souped me up. He was like, yeah, just give it a week. Give it a week and we'll like no. <laughs> a, week. a week later I called and was like, all right, I'm ready to go. And he was like, no, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, it was difficult because I had tried to stop many times on my own because I didn't want people to know. Yeah. And I would try to go a day or two and I would just be like really sick. And my mom would just see me like really sick and she would just think that I'm just tired and sick or something. And I would just run out the house because I needed to get like that fixed real quick. And there was times I went to like, I had to go to like family birthday parties and I needed to be high to be normal. Cause if I wasn't, they knew I was not myself. Yeah. And I always had been a person that um, wanted to like dress nice, look good. So Doing those like years of my times, I was not myself. So it was very noticeable. <laughs> you must look back at those times and think, who was that? What was that? Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking to Tyrone Best. He comes to us through the communications department uh, from our partners, Retreat Behavioral Health. Uh, it's clear that you chose this the path to get uh, involved in treating people who have been where, where you have been. 
in a substance abuse. By the way, Ty, five years sober is a big deal, as you know. Congratulations and good for you. you. When did you decide you'd stay in this field? The story how I started working here was weird. So, like, my friend that I grew up with, we were working at Arugas together. I uh, left Arugas doing, like, that same week time frame. It was Thanksgiving, and I went to my friend's Thanksgiving dinner. And her brother's girlfriend at the time was at the dinner and worked at retreat. Their family was talking about how I have been, like, clean for about a year and a half. And they were like talking about different stuff uh, like I want to do. And she mentioned retreat. And I was like, wow, I can see myself working there, you know. So I applied and I ended up getting the job as a CA. And I started liking it because I started communicating with people and talking to people about other things and life experiences and helping other people. And it was making me feel so much better about my life because I was helping others. I know part of your duties with retreat was the, in the area of diversity. You're still doing that for them? Yes. And tell us about your friend, Sean, and your foundation that was uh, created by you and your friends. So we started Sean's Legacy in 2019. It was based off one of our friends who in middle school committed suicide in seventh grade. We were young. So we kind of didn't know how to take that, but we were hurt and it affected a lot of us. Um, so years later, as we got older, we created um, a foundation, a nonprofit um, organization that celebrates or helps LGBTQ suicide prevention for the youth. So we dedicated that for him. And the funny thing is, the day that he passed away was May 19th, and we always used to celebrate May 19th for years. And years later, on the universe, my clean day ended up being May 19th, so I ended up working wow. out. And I look up every day, and I'm like, wow. Like, yeah, yeah. weird how that worked out. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a great way to uh, make the point I wanted to ask you about Pride Month. The origins of this very quickly is gay pride really began as a recognition, as I understand this, of the beginning of the gay rights movement, the Stonewall uh, riots in New York. And it was really originally a, a protest against police violence against gays. And in the in the many, many years since then, it has grown into um, what we now call Pride Month, which is a celebration of diversity. Uh, that's the answer to the question. Well, why do you need to celebrate your orientation? You know, when they see the gay pride parades around the country and, you know, guys show up, girls show up, it's flamboyance, it's mm -hmm. in your face. People get a little like, there's no heterosexual pride day, right? Yeah. Right? Sean answers the question of why this day is important, right? Yeah. Because our whole lives, we were taught gays or people part of the LGBTQ community are not tough enough. If the whole world is telling you that, it makes you tough enough to deal with everything that's going on in the world. I believe that Sean made a legacy on us to prove to this world that we need to make a difference of what's going on and what's happening in this world. Because that moment that happened there affected our whole school, affected our whole township and all the schools around us. Mm -hmm. Um, let me ask you about, uh, uh, and I know you're not a, you, know, you were a clinical aide, but you know, 
is not strictly speaking your your area, but it's worth bringing up, I guess. With regard to the mental health and substance abuse treatment available to uh, LGBTQ uh, community, does it have to be tailored in any specific way because you're dealing with people who are gay or lesbian? I don't think it has to be tailored in any way. I just think people need to listen and have an understanding. If you know how to listen and have an understanding, then nothing needs to be tailored. Well, listen, you're you're uh, at the uh, Lancaster facility here in the Pennsylvania area, correct? I used to be there a lot before COVID took me out of my little studio. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it's been a pleasure meeting you. And you. Retreat has a... Uh, a real knack for hiring good people. And, and it looks like they've done it again. We will cross paths soon. Tyrone Best, uh, our guest here on the Behavioral Corner. Ty, take care. At Retreat Behavioral Health, we believe in the power of connection and quality care. We offer comprehensive, holistic, and compassionate treatment from industry-leading experts. Call 855-802-6600 and begin your journey today. That's it for now. And make us a habit, hanging out at the Behavioral Corner. And when we're not hanging, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter on the Behavioral Corner.